Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. We are back at it. So yesterday we had a nice little time with the kids that did such a great job down south. Singing, dancing their hearts out and doing drama for the Lord and have very effective. Many people really stood up, raised their hand to get saved. It was wonderful. So we gave them their own party yesterday and we had a wonderful time. They got to eat pizza and they got presents, and they made cookies, and it was all kinds of fun <laughs> up there at the mission school. At least 42 kids. So it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. So we will do this again on Friday, not the party. We're going to do another outreach on Friday. You can pray for that uh, up in the little neighborhood. Some of you have been up there, Saletrio, up by where the mission school is. So we'll be doing that on Friday, so please be praying for that. And we will have service tonight. Hopefully I can see some of you guys online knowing that you're there. Or if you're in town, come on by. So we are moving on in Esther 1 and 2, getting really close to the end now. Because we're in Revelation 12. So we're yeah, a little more halfway there, the end of the book, the last book in the Bible. So let's go ahead and pray, and we will get right into it. Father, thank you for this morning and your guidance. And what you're doing during this Christmas season, God. So many people rushing around town and... I don't know, Father, their, their hearts may be far away from you, but they're hearing the words, they're listening to the music. We, <laughs> we hear this, the silent night a baby was born. We hear that Emmanuel has come. We hear all these songs. God, may you use it to get, reach the hearts of the people and help them gain an understanding of what this is really all about. So thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Esther chapter 1, The Banquets of the King. Now, it took place in those days that Azarias, the Azarias who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces, in those days as King Azarias sat on his royal throne, which was at the citadel of Susa, in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his princes and attendants and the army officers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being in his presence. And he displayed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor of his great majesty for as many as 180 days. When these days were completed, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days for all the people who were present at the citadel of Susa. From the greatest to the least, in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were hangings of fine white and violet linen held by the cords of fine purple linen on silver rings and marble columns, and couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels of various kinds. And the royal wine was plentiful, according to the king's bounty. The drinking was done according to the law. There was no compulsion, for so the king had given orders to each official of his household that he should do according to the desires of each person. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the palace, 
which belonged to King Azarias, verse 10, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Arbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcas, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Azarias to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the princes, for she was beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, delivered by the eunuchs. Then the king became very angry, and his wrath burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for it was the custom of the king, so to speak, before all who knew the law and justice and were close to him, Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Miris, Marsena, Memukand, the seven princes of Persia and Media who had access to the king's presence, and sat in the first place in the kingdom, according to the law, what is to be done with Queen Vashti? Because she did not obey the command of King Azarias delivered by the eunuchs. In the presence of the king and the princess Memukan said, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also all the princes and all the peoples who are in the province of King Azarias. Verse 17. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands by saying, King Azarias commanded Queen Vashti to be brought into his presence, but she did not come. This day the ladies of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's conduct, will speak in the same way to all the king's princes, and there will be plenty of contempt and anger. If it pleases the king, let a royal edict be issued by him, and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, so that it cannot be repealed. Vashti may no longer come into the presence of King Azarias. And let the king give her royal position to another, who is more worthy than she. When the king's edict, which he will make, is heard throughout all his kingdom, great as it is, then all women will give honor to their husbands, great and small. This word pleased the king and the princes. And the king did as Memukan proposed. So he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province according to its script, and to every people according to their language, that every man should be the master of his own house, and the one who speaks in the language of his own people. Chapter 2. After these things, when the anger of King Azarias had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done, and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's attendants, who served him, said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Verse 3, Let the king appoint overseers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather every beautiful young virgin to the citadel of Susa, to the harem, into the custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let the cosmetics be given them. Then let the young lady who pleases the king be queen in place of Vashti. And the matter pleased the king, and he did accordingly. Now, there was at the citadel in Susa a Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives, who had been exiled with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had exiled. He was bringing up Hadashah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. Now the young lady was beautiful in form and face, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Verse 8. So it came about 
when the command and the decree of the king was heard, and many young ladies were gathered to the citadel of Susa, into the custody of Haggai, that Esther was taken to the king's palace, into the custody of Haggai, who was in charge of the women. Now the young lady pleased him and found favor with him, so he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and food, gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace, and transferred her and her maids to the best place in the harem. Esther did not make known her people or her kindred, for Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. Every day Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. Now when the turn for each young lady came to go to King Azarias after the end of her 12 months under the regulations for the women for the days of their beautification completed as follows, six months with oil of myrrh, six months with spices and cosmetics for the women. The young lady would go in to the king in this way. Anything that she desired was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return to the second harem, to the custody of Shaskas, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not again go in to the king unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. Verse 15, now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, came to go into the king, she did not request anything except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, advised. And Esther found favor in the eyes of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Azarias, to his royal palace in the tenth month, which is in the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Verse 17. The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great banquet. Esther's banquet for all his princes and his servants. He also made a holiday for the provinces, and gave gifts according to the king's bounty. When the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not yet made known her kindred or her people, even as Mordecai had commanded her. Esther did what Mordecai told her as she had done when she was under his care. Verse 21, in those days while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's officials, from those whom guarded the door, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Azarias. But the plot came known to Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther. And Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. Now when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on a gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles of the King's Presence. Okay, there, we'll stop there for today. The introduction of Esther and Mordecai into the story. This is during the time, by the way, when all this intrigue is going on over in Israel and Jerusalem with the um, building of the temple and uh, and being stopped. And uh, Azarias is, um, check me on this, but I believe his other name is Artaxerxes. I like you sometimes get them confused. There's three. There's Cyrus, there's Art, uh, Artaxerxes, there's Darius. It's easy to get them mixed up, but I think it's Artaxerxes. So we're going to find out this will have an effect, ultimately, on what's going on with the building of the temple and the wall around Jerusalem. It's pretty exciting how these are going on contiguous. Uh, they're happening at the same time. And God is going to use Esther, I think, and doesn't say, but to, to really... <laughs> 
steer the heart of this king so that God can continue to re uh, or have the people reestablish and give them the permission uh, for their temple and wall there in Jerusalem, later the wall. Um, so it's pretty exciting to see again how the Bible is always complementary and, and has the harmony of what's going on for the stories. But of course, the, um, the whole thing that's going on here is God is setting all this up. God is, obviously God wanted Esther to be there for such a time as this, as we will learn in the book. God knows the enemy's plans. He can, he can foresee them, knowing that there was going to be this Haman guy that was going to want to wipe out the Jews and all the, all the different intrigues that go on there. And he raises up a servant, a young woman, saves the whole nation. I mean, Israel celebrates Esther even today. There's always a great celebration because she was able to step up and by faith, trust God and um, intercede for her people. So there's great lessons here about how God can use anyone. And God is ready to use us if we are willing to be his servants and be obedient and just follow follow him, I mean, with our whole hearts. And this is what she did. So Esther's just a wonderful book. So, so many good. And of course, you could go into all kinds of things about Mordecai, the spiritual father. The sp- I mean, he wasn't a real father, but he was a spiritual father. And he, and he taught her up. In the Word of God, He showed her how to walk. I mean, we have so much impact on our on our nieces and nephews, our grandkids, and and teaching them how to walk with the Lord, follow the Lord, and and can have such a wonderful influence on their lives. Even when their parents, you know, maybe not walking with the Lord, uh, don't ever give up praying for those grandkids, those nieces and nephews, and what have you. All right, Revelation thirteen, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Verse 3, then another sign appeared in heaven, behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Verse 5, And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule over all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God, to his throne. Then the woman fled to the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. Verse 7, There was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. Then they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, and the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth 
and the sea because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time, times, and half a time. From the presence of the serpent. Verse 15. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of its mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children, kept the commandments of God, and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Well, there's really almost no way we could go too much in depth on that. There's way too much there. But I will say that the Bible has always said there would be signs in the heavens and to look with the birth of the Messiah and the coming of, of Jesus. Fascinating studies on this. One of the best theologians I've ever followed and read, Michael Heiser, you guys hear me talk about him a lot. He is the one that um, believes that this sign in the heaven about the virgin with 12, st- with 12 stars on her crown and the sun and the moon there at her feet, or at least the moon is, I think, and then the dragon is there ready to devour the child. This is one of the signs in the constellations that was given to man to proclaim and herald the coming of Jesus, which may have been exactly what the Magi were looking for, that uh, trained by Daniel. And we find out that on, oddly enough, September 11th and 3 BC, the constellations of Virgo up in the sky with Draco the dragon at her feet and the sun and the moon in the right place and the 12 stars around her head with Regulus, the, the crown star, the, the royal star at her head. All of these things, and I believe it was Jupiter in retrograde motion in her stomach, a, 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 which then leaves the, the constellation of Virgo. At the same time, it's going directly down pointed towards the constellation of Draco the dragon. It was ready to devour it. All this is, I mean, look it up. Do a study into it. It's really amazing. It's fascinating that that constellation and everything that was happening there was actually a sign in the heaven proclaiming the coming of the king and the birth of the king. So there is scholarly belief from astronomy, not astrology, that um, Jesus' birth was around September 11th, 3 BC. And everything else, we're talking about the spiritual side of it, how the how Satan then comes to war. And we have the history, ascent of the Messiah. He's born. He's, he has tried, the enemy tries to consume him, kill him. Of course, we see what happened at his birth and Herod slaying the babies. We see his life, how he's brought, brought up and how he's crucified. And of course, goes back to the father. And then you have this persecution and John is seeing the tribulation period where there is persecution and those people that in the tribulation have to flee. And we believe go to Petra where they're going to be there. Um, for the last half of the tribulation, and they're going to be protected. The enemy's going to try and wipe them out. And whether this is a flood of an army or a literal flood, we don't know. Many people say, no, he's going to pour out a flood of, of an army going in there to attack him, but God's going to open up the earth and consume them. But interesting that modern warfare has been researching and has there is really clear evidence that man has gained some control over the weather, that uh, China boasted that it could... Uh, that he could hold back the rain for their big ceremonies. They know how to do that. They know how to see the cloud. There's been a lot of stuff, research and videos on how, yeah, there aren't, people said they really can't make it rain or, or cause storms, but 
there are other people that uh, have a lot of good evidence that the military can with many different methods. So could then the enemy have control over that, the Antichrist, over weather and try and bring a massive, massive rainstorm and God opens it up, the, the ground? Could be. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. So there is a lot going on here in this, this um, chapter, but the overall thing is that the enemy is going to continue to rage against from the birth of Christ all the way up to his second coming. He's going to be cast down when that happens. That's also a good study. And, and when he's cast out, um, confined to the earth and out of, the, of heaven, which heaven, the third heaven or second heaven? Which heaven are we talking about? This is why you've got to go and do some more study. He's the prince of the power of the air. Could be he's confined just to the earth, uh, to the region of the earth. Now it's woe to the earth because now he's only got he's only got a few short years to rage against the light, to try and do what he did in the beginning to to consume the male child, and he wants to try and do that and all his offspring essentially we his children. So he'll only have a few years in the tribulation to do that, and it's going to be a time of woe, a time of, of serious woe as all of these horrible things come upon the earth, and we have the seal judgments and the bull judgments and everything happening because of this. So, Revelation, keep, keep your, your mind open and keep your Bible open and look for the truth and go through it because there is a blessing there, and you want to do some serious study into it as you go through it and listen to some different teachings on it. It's quite fascinating. Charles Spurgeon, now I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the son of man which shall be made as grass? And forgettest the Lord thy maker, and hath stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundations of the earth, and hath feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy and where is the fury of the oppressor? Isaiah 51, 12, and 13. Let the text itself be taken as the portion for the day. There is no need to enlarge upon it. Trembling one, read it, believe it, feed on it, and plead it before the Lord. He whom you fear is only a man after all, while he who promises to comfort you is God, your maker, and the creator of heaven and earth. Infinite comfort more than covers a very limited danger. Where is the fury of the oppressor? It is in the Lord's hand. It is only the fury of a dying creature, fury which will end as soon as the breath is gone from the nostril. Why then should we stand in awe of the one who is as frail as ourselves? Let us not dishonor our God by making a God a puny man. We can make an idol of a man by rendering to him excessive fear as well as by paying him inordinate love. Let us treat men as men, and God is God. And then we will go calmly in the path of duty, fearing the Lord and fearing nobody else. Poor do I love the, that, that truth. That is amazing. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit brings to us in those times of difficulty, that a man can look at another man and say, like Jesus, you would have no power unless God gave it to you. You would have nothing. We know we stand in the power and strength of our Lord. And so what is man? So there may be those times where we just come to that point we say i fear god and i will stand my ground on this and um like shadrach meshach and abednego we will not bow down to you god will deliver us they never said how might, might deliver us in the fire or we die and we go to be with him or we delivered through the fire that's such a wonderful perspective of them god will deliver us 
the worst that you can do to us is kill our bodies, but we're still delivered from you, and we go into our glorified bodies. And I don't think they had, my own personal opinion, that natural, you know, fearlessness. Absolutely, we don't fear death, you know. I think that it was the Holy Spirit that came upon them that gave them that ability. We're often surprised by how God can do that. It's amazing. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your love for us and for your guidance and the way you can bring us into a time of fearlessness. Thank you for all that you're doing. We ask, God, that you continue to go before us, give us, God, understanding of, um, of the days we live in and how close we are coming to this time of the great tribulation. And uh, we will thank you, God, Every time that you well up within us and make us stand, we acknowledge it'll be only by your spirit and by your power and control. We are weak, but and when we are weak, though, you can and you will be strong. So thank you for that. Thank you for the outreaches that we've done. Thank you for those things that are continuing to happen. We want to pray for the Zamora family. Continue to pray for them as they're going to have the memorial service for their mother tomorrow. Thank you for uh, the way that the families come together and uh, the wonderful uh, fellowship they've been able to have and different um, just times of remembrance of their mother. Thank you for um, giving so having so many believers in that family and strong believers, God, and uh, believing in faith that their mother's now with you and, and um, in a new body, a young, glorified, perfect body. What a wonderful thing. So thank you for what you're doing in that family. Continue to do it, God. We pray for the salvation of the rest of the brothers and sisters that have yet to yield their life to you, that this might be one of those situations where they do it. And you continue to use those that are believers in the family to be strong witness to their families and their relatives during this time. Thank you for what you're going to do Friday, God. And we continue to look forward to see how you reach out and touch people. And for tonight, God, just bless us in the word Guide us, help all of us to see the truths and the beautiful uh, symmetry of your word and the way that you're constantly, Father, bringing us back to a point of grace, grace we don't deserve, and be able to spend time in your presence and understand, God, that you're the God of protection. You're the God of new beginnings, second and third opportunities to begin again with you. So thank you for all of these things that we have and now, as we're coming really close to Christmas, God, pray that all of us might be able to not lose sight of what we're doing this Saturday, this Sunday, this Monday with our families, that we, you might give us the boldness amongst all our unsaved family to ask if we can pray earnestly as we pray for the Christmas meal, as we open up the presents, as we can ask to give thanks to God and uh, help our family, our unsaved family, remember that this is all about you, Jesus, all about our Savior. And it's not about us, and it's not about Santa Claus, and it's not about kids. It's about you. So help us to live out our faith amongst our unsaved families this week. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. Thank you, guys, once again. We will be live at 630. Uh, Come on over. Would love to see you. Uh, and, and I think it's appropriate that we continue to keep our focus on Jesus this week and not get caught up with shopping or family. Yeah, family's coming over. You go, great. Hey, guys, we're, we go to church every Wednesday night uh, online or, or wherever we go to church if you're in states and Canada. 
I want you guys to come with us. If they say no, go, okay, well, you know, there's the TV. We'll be back. Don't let your unsaved family determine how you worship and when you worship the Lord. Keep that in mind, okay? See you guys tomorrow or today at evening. Bye-bye. 